Welcome to episode 15 of How Public Works. This is a podcast about how government and society interact and where you, as a citizen, can be informed and find a place where you can engage and transform our society together. I'm your host, Ilmar Simonovskis. Today, we are with His Worship, Dan Carter, Mayor of the City of Oshawa. Dan was first elected to Oshawa Council as a regional representative in 2014. His bid for mayor was a resounding success with landslide support of almost 70% from the community. Dan's compassion for people and community has been unwavering as he brings his personal insights to a city's social and economic challenges. His launch into politics was on the heels of previous success in broadcasting becoming the executive producer of programming for the Czechs TV channel. He also contributes as a motivational speaker on topics of leadership, challenges of living in poverty, and mental health and addiction. As the mayor of the largest city in Durham region, Dan has a diverse community to serve, from historic roots and cultures in the downtown and southern areas of the city, to new communities, an educational epicenter, and growing hubs of industry and innovation. Oshawa has it all, and Dan has embraced the entire community. Welcome, Mayor Carter. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you. And um, uh, like I say to everybody, I hope your family, I hope you are safe and uh, and embracing this new historical moment that we're all in. Thank you so much. So I want to hear about the city of Oshawa. Can you share your story of Oshawa from the lake to the Oak Ridge Marine? Yeah, I mean, Elmar, I guess the, I guess the interesting thing about our city is is that we are truly a city that not only is reflective of our past, but really looking towards our future. And if you look at the historical contents of our of our city, you'll see that for many many years we were an industrialized uh, community that we embraced industrialization right here in our community, from battery plants to tanneries to automobiles. There was a lot of different industry that was associated in regards to manufacturing itself. And as we've seen over the past 100 years, that has changed dramatically. And as if you look from our, our southern borders of Lake Ontario and you look to the north uh, as we spread bigger and bigger and wider and wider, it really is an interesting time for the great city of Oshawa. We are now in this period of time of transformation. But I also like to be able to remind people of our past. Our past really uh, shows us our strength, our innovation, our uh, ways of creating new opportunities for ourselves. Every time that this community has been able to uh, see a challenge, it's embraced it. It's look for ideas and solutions. I'll give you an example is the automobile industry in regards to especially on the auto assembly lines have changed dramatically over the last 50 years. And every change means that there's new automation that comes in, new technologies that come in. And we also understand that it also affects those that are on the front line. Our community has embraced that time after time to be able to not only embrace new technologies and new ways of doing things to be highly productive, high quality, uh, but we also look at how we can innovate uh, based upon the new technologies that are coming. And with that also means there is a there is a job loss in some circumstances or a job shift. And our mm -hmm. community has always faced that challenge right on. So in this year of 2020 and now going into 2021, we really look at our community and look at the strengths of our history in regards to how we look at innovation, modernization, diversification. And we look at our workforce and say that we've always faced challenges head on and we've always succeeded. So if you look at where we go from 
the south end to the north end of our city from the east to the west, you could see that our community is embracing this new opportunity uh, that's being presented to us. It's one of the most exciting times for our community right now. Thank you so much for that. And and yeah, definitely there's been so much reinvention and innovation in the city and the incredible amount of space and sort of industrial base that was in that community and how it's really shifted over the years. You know, and I want to ask you, actually, as a community leader, I have always found you so full of enthusiasm and willingness to bring the best to the people and communities that reach out to you. So what drives you to bring this level of engagement to the community? I think the the desire for me anyways is really trying to pull the best not only out of myself but out of other people. I, I always look at um, some of the most uh, difficult, challenging issues that we face in our community. May that be, as you know, I came into office on the heels of an announcement just days prior to me taking the oath of office of uh, the close down of our assembly uh, plant here in Oshawa, which yes. was impacting 2,500 direct jobs and thousands of jobs indirectly. But I also look at it as a time to be able to say, how do we reinvent? How do we not allow this moment to fall by the wayside and us to become victimized by what has happened in society? So I've always been the kind of person that um, I believe that taking on difficult subject matters, taking on difficult paths, strengthens us. It doesn't weaken us. And I think that my true belief in people and, and what we are all equipped with keeps me motivated each and every day. I truly believe in, in our residents and our citizens. They have demonstrated, like I say, time after time they've demonstrated the wonderful uh, adaptability and how they, they've been able to adapt to the changing environment and not stay in uh, victimization, but truly become uh, successors out of the moment. And I think that, that that really, I just try and manage um, my message that I need to, to truly remind people of the greatness that lives in our city. You know, you've heard me say this, um, as the mayor of the great city of Oshawa, I don't say I'm the mayor of the city of Oshawa. I always say I'm the mayor of the great city of Oshawa because what makes us great are the people of the stories, yes. of the history, of us overcoming. And I love to be able to pull on that and remind people because what it does is it lifts up. I have never seen success when we push people down, when we stay in dark places, where we uh, kind of say to ourselves, there's no possible way for us moving forward. And in my own journey, because of my own life, the only thing that I really have to hold on to day in and day out is, is that I truly understand that recovery and forgiveness and redemption lives in me. And I believe that I want to make sure that people understand that it lives in them also. So facing difficult times only makes us stronger. Facing difficult times brings our community together. Facing difficult times bring innovation and diversification and modernization. Difficult times bring the best out of us, not the worst out of us. And if you look at what we're facing right now with COVID-19, the message that I continue to be able to send to our community is, not only are we in this together, but this is a moment to remind us why we are the great city of Oshawa. It reminds us to check on our neighbors. It reminds us about community. It reminds us of, of importance of family. It reminds us that we are blessed in our community. And to me, that's what I hold on to each day. And that's what I try and uh, make sure that my uh, actions, my behaviors, and my language uh, mirrors what I truly believe waits, uh, awaits all of our citizens here in the great city of Oshawa. 
And I really like that that uh, energy behind that response because at the end of the day, and I've heard this over and over in previous interviews as well, that the challenges of COVID are actually bringing us all to a new level of engagement and enthusiasm and hope for the future, right? I mean, this is really the beginning. Yeah, I think it really reminds us of the important things. If you think about it, if you talk to people, we miss the things that we took for granted. Hugs, handshakes, kisses, being with uh, people that we respect and honor and love. We miss those moments and we understand the importance of community. If we go back to the beginning of civilization, you have to look at it that that we were created as community. We weren't created as individuals to stay individual lives. We were built to be able to use our skills, our talents, our giftings, to be able to contribute to our community. And that's what builds great communities is when we all contribute to the community. COVID has given us isolationism. And what's happened is it's reminded us the importance of really what community means and what family means. So out of all the darkness that have come with COVID, I think it has also reminded all of us of some of the wonderful things that are reminding us that are really, really important in our lives. Yes, yes. Thank you for that. And I, I think, too, it's interesting to see as Oshawa continues its its trajectory forward and the growth and the unpre- actually really unprecedented growth in the north end with new communities coming in on a near continuous basis, the 407 extension. And then, yeah. of course, the downtown core with, you know, like every downtown core, the, the cycle of continuous reemergence and revitalization and, and sort of refocus. So how do you how do you manage that? And what's your view on both both essentially both very unique communities? So one of the things that I truly believe in is, is I believe in our downtowns and I believe this that downtowns play such a significant role all across North America. There was a there was a, a book that I read um, about a year ago and it was a study of a husband and wife team that were journalists that flew across North America and visited all these uh, cities or towns that their downtowns had had kind of gone into a dark period. Mm. And it really kind of mirrored about what was happening in the local economy. It was very relatable to me because many of the communities they talked about were either about the automobile industry or the steel industry or the washing machine industry or General Electric or a rubber factory. It really right. had, it, you could really relate to it. But what what came out of their discovery was that their downtown cores played a significant role in regards to the revitalization of their communities. And what they looked at was their downtown cores had to be the center, the heart of the city. And it also reminded them that the downtowns were still places where family business had an opportunity to open and to invest in and to be able to uh, create their their hopes and dreams and desires that they've always dreamed about. So our downtowns play a significant role, not only in regards to giving those entrepreneurs an opportunity to actually be able to have the chance to be able to practice uh, their dreams and, and implement their dreams and desires, but it also gives us an opportunity to reflect upon those people that contribute so much to our community. The spirit of your downtown really sets the table, the menu for the rest of the city. And what it really does is it brings the energy and it brings the focus. And in our circumstance, we're looking at the revitalization of our downtown. We're looking at it as education, entertainment, and 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 residential. And it really is seeing that. We're having, we've got a project right now that'll bring a thousand more people into downtown. We've seen revitalization of historical buildings. We're seeing, we're doing streetscape improvements. 
we're still welcoming family business into the downtown. But we also understand um, that all these wonderful things come together. So our downtown is playing a unique role. It'll give a unique experience, not only on the culinary experience, but the educational experience, the residential experience, uh, the entertainment experience. We're really looking at it and saying, this is where culture really starts to kind of uh, flourish. It's like a great pie crust. With a great pie crust, you know what? You can throw the, the contents out, but the pie crust is so good that you just can't <laughs> ignore it. So I look at it at that way. Then when you look at how our city especially uh, is growing so rapidly in the northern part is the challenge is not only to be able to embrace that opportunity, but also understand diversification that is happening in our community. And that was one of the things that I talked about in my mayor's address was innovation, modernization and diversification. And diversification isn't just about our economy being diverse. It's not about our education just being diverse. It's about our public that's being diverse. You know, we're seeing a large population of different nationalities that are moving into our community that have different ways of uh, celebrating their faith, uh, different ways of celebrating holidays, different uh, ways of celebrating dance, different ways of celebrating their faith. And that really gives us an opportunity to be able to embrace it and see how our community is changing and how we're welcoming so many different people from around the world. Our colleges and universities welcome 140 different nations to our to our colleges and universities in the north end of the city. And that's bring, uh, brought a huge richness to our city that we didn't have that type of kind of world um, uh, exposure to before, but we do now. And as you look in the northern part and you have this new area and it's, you know, it's shiny and nice and all those kind of things, we also have the challenge of making sure that they feel that this is their Oshawa too. So as the mayor, we've got to make sure that the north, the south, the east, and the west come together. And what's the commonality of if you're going to draw from the north, the south, the east, and the west is your downtown. And that helps people draw into one common area where you can have a culinary experience from all around the world, where you can have an educational experience from some of the best uh, educators in the world, um, where you're able to live in an environment that exposes you to some of the most cultural rich events, such as our art gallery and our music scene and our art scene. So those are the kind of things that really I think about each and every time. It's wonderful growth is happening, but how do we make sure everybody understands this is their home? And we as uh, long-term uh, residents of Oshawa, how do we also then make sure that we understand that our community is diversifying, how it's changing, and how do we embrace this moment to make sure that those that welcomed us when we first moved here, we do the same for new people that are moving into our community. Make sure that they feel welcome in our community, that this is their city. And really, with Oshawa, the way it's positioned and being the largest center in the in Durham region, you really do have it all, don't you? In the sense that, you know, as a resident, there's there's the employment hubs, there's the recreation and entertainment hubs, there's the residential hubs, there's the commuter hubs. And maybe around the idea of commuter hubs, too, with the yeah. expansion of the east-west corridor now with Metrolinx, yeah. I guess that's going to bring in a whole new influx or potentially a, a huge amount of access to, to some of the residential areas in Oshawa. Yeah, and, you know, you're absolutely correct. I mean, we can build on the foundational pieces that we have here that are world-class, world-class education with with the two universities that, of course, are 
Baylor College. And really, we have three universities that are here through our medical program that we have teamed up with Queen's University. When you look at our cancer center and you look at the healthcare facility, we have one of the largest healthcare facilities in all of Canada with Lake Ridge Health. And that's incredible to be able to see. When you look at the rich richness of our agricultural community, over 3,500 people that are in the agricultural mm -hmm. industry that are right here. Um, I spoke about the 140 different countries that are represented at our colleges and universities. Our community is safe and vibrant and, and has wonderful amenities, including our waterfront and, our, of course, our, our airport and our deep water port and all those wonderful things. What it now awaits us is how do we make sure that the health, the well-being of individuals on a daily basis, how do we improve that and how do we make sure that people have an opportunity to live in this great, vibrant, uh, a growing city? And that extension of the, the uh, Metrolink's investment in our community, as you know, has been on the forefront here in the city for some years. And we've mm -hmm. tried to really talk about where the growth is going to happen across the GTHA. And when you look at the projections, 90% of the growth in the GTHA will come from Durham region. And so that, that says, how are we going to be successfully moving people in and out of our community? But how does that contribute to their health and well-being of not only their family unit, but themselves? Mm -hmm. And that's why this project uh, that we continue to uh, say to the premier and to the ministers, this is such an important project of the extension of the GO train from Oshawa out to Bowmanville is so important because it doesn't just go to bringing jobs and prosperity and opportunity, but but it also goes to the health and the well-being of our residents. You know, Mayor Tory reminded me that 400,000 people travel into a city to work in the towers in downtown Toronto on a daily basis. Right. And, you know, when you think about people that have to be on a train or a bus or in a car for two hours on a daily commute and they have to get there early and come home late, you look at how that impacts the family unit and about the quality of life that they have. There's a reason why people move here is not only the affordability and the safety of our community, plus all those wonderful foundational pieces, but they also want to have an opportunity uh, to be able to make sure that those moments with, with family are, are an opportunity that they can embrace. And so we need to do everything we possibly can is not only move people uh, successfully through the system so that we can get them from point A to point B or from point B to point A, but we also have to look at it as how does that help their health and long and the longevity of their life and how does it impact their family? And then you look at the economics of this and you start looking at the economics and you think to yourself, wow, it's 21,000 jobs. It's a billion and a half dollars worth of infrastructure spending right here. In a time of COVID-19, and I believe this, that over the next two years, uh, we are going to be in a recovery period. And we're going to have to understand that our economy is going to have to grow over a two-year period. Right. What a better way of doing it than infrastructure spending. So I'm I'm a great believer that just don't look at the economics, just don't look at the modernization, but also look at the health factors and say to ourselves, what are we trying to accomplish as we as we move forward? And and that's why I think infrastructure spending in the right way not only gets people back to work, not only um, improves aging infrastructure, not only introduces new in infrastructure, but it also gives an opportunity to truly be able to see people people's health and well-being get better. Well, and it'll be interesting too to see as the uh, as the network 
uh, comes into operation. I mean, if I think about the TTC extension to Vaughan, you can literally see where that terminus ends with the (laughs) huge towers there and, you know, the economic growth and community that, that, you know, that that creates a little microcosm essentially. And as this extension moves through Oshawa, I mean, it is moving through uh, some of the southern communities, which are primarily residential. So it's it definitely will change the flavor of some of those communities. And I guess that's going to be a, a journey in and of itself, isn't it? It is. And it, and we can't just be building more highways. I mean, the the reality being is, we you know, we're a very smart, intelligent. Um, and matter of fact, they, they've said that this is the smartest human beings that have ever walked on the earth is right at this particular moment. Mm-hmm. But we also have some challenges that are in front of us. Of course, the environment is on everybody's mind, health and well-being for people. Um, but we have to find better ways of moving people in a, in a more efficient way. And we understand that people are going to have to migrate in and migrate out to be able to not only uh, meet the needs of their job, but also their family lives in different parts. And the GTHA has grown tremendously. I mean, we got, I think... Yeah. You know, you look at the city of Toronto, I think it's it's close to 3 million people. I mean, yeah. we're 56 kilometers away from the core of the city. We have to move people more efficiently. We've got to get people out of their cars and move people more efficiently. It's good for the environment. It's good for the health and well-being of people. And the reality being is it also um, mirrors what the provincial government wants, which is transit hubs around residential and that people have an opportunity to, to live to be able to uh, successfully move uh, from point A to point B. And it also gives people an opportunity to work close to home if that's what their desire is. So, you know, we just got to take a lot of things into consideration. We are the smartest human beings that have walked on the, the face of the earth. Let's truly d- tap into that for a while. <laughs> it's, it's our time to prove it, isn't it? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you know what? You may, I, I, I need to check where your sources come from because if I ask my daughter, she may have a second opinion on that. <laughs> you just remind her that the mayor of the great city of Oshawa said that, okay? <laughs> I, will. I will. And I have to say, too, now, going into, um, you know, some of my childhood or younger years, I remember you as a broadcaster and, and watching your shows on on the Czechs TV station and you know really interesting and actually very much of an honor to be both talking with you but also knowing you as a person and and the motivational speaking side of your life your career uh, you know know that you bring much of this talent and wisdom to your everyday life and and I really do appreciate how you look at life so considering all that is going on in the world let's have a conversation about your youth and future leaders those that are coming into our communities whether it's you know currently working in the workforce or going through university or some post secondary education and getting ready for an entrance into the workforce what would you want to say to these these young you know these young people coming into our next generation those that we need to look after us in the future well, it's really interesting because many times there's always a question to me that when I do media interviews, they always say, you know, what do you contribute to your success? And I say, well, there's a couple of things. Um, I, I believe that it's enthusiasm and ignorance, for one. Uh, enthusiasm saying I can do it. Ignorance of not understanding how difficult it's going to be. Uh, you know, and I, I truly believe that. I also believe that in leadership, uh, humility 
um, it plays a significant role and you have to have an ego. So those, it's almost like two on one side, two on the other side, enthusiasm and ignorance. Um, and then on the other side, you have humility, uh, uh, you know, that, that plays a, a significant role there and an ego to be able to say, I think I can do this. I believe I can do it. The humility part, um, for me anyways, as a leader and as an individual, the humbleness has to be, first of all, it has to be authentic. And number two is it truly is a realization that my, as broken as I am, as imperfect as I am, my humility gives me an opportunity um, also to be a student. And I've always looked at, when I was a broadcaster, as you know, I don't have a formal education. I have a grade eight education. I didn't learn how to read until I was 31. I had a severe learning disability. It's a shame of my life, and I've worked at it uh, ever since. But what I what I embraced was the curiosity of of learning, and I take that to my job now as as the mayor of the great city of Oshawa. But I also take it in my own personal life that I approach everything as a student. I never, I never approach it as a teacher. So even as a motivational speaker, if I'm speaking to leadership experts around, I'm always the student, but I'm just doing my presentation uh, to a class. And I, and I look at it because I love to see what I don't know yet, what I'm going to be challenged on, and what new information I'm going to learn out of the experience. So for those that are going into leadership and young people that are starting their career, Humility goes a long way. It doesn't mm. mean that you're weak. Matter of fact, humility gives you the opportunity to be open and to be able to understand that embracing the opportunity to see that you cannot do this alone. You have to have others with you to be able to accomplish anything great. And so humility brings you brings you to that aspect of it. The ego aspect is pushing you outside of sometimes your own belief or your own your own. Uh, deepness that you think, geez, I don't know if I could do this. Prime example is um, running for public office. Even as a broadcaster, when I finally put my name on a ballot, my biggest fear was, what if I don't get a vote, never mind any votes? Um, <laughs> and that was that was really, really hard uh, for uh, for me to embrace. But I knew that I felt that I had something con to contribute based upon my life journey. I believe that my broadcasting career gave me an opportunity to learn a great deal about my community and about those that built it. So I think that my ego pushed me to put my name on a bud on on a ballot. Right. The humility gave me an opportunity to connect with people and learn from people. And I think that that, that helped me tremendously. And then when you look on the other side and you look at enthusiasm and ignorance, enthusiasm is just saying, you know, I was thinking we could accomplish X. And, you know, we've got some pretty wicked problems right now. We have 5,000 Canadians that, that are losing their battle with opiate addiction across this country. We have individuals that are addicted. We have, you know, 20, per, you know, 20 people out of 100 are dealing with a mental health crisis. We have an economic crisis. We have poverty that is in our country. You have 240,000 people across Canada that don't have a, their own place to sleep. We have 35,000 people that sleep on the streets on a on a nightly basis. And one of the rich, richest, most democratic uh, societies in the world. 
And you think to yourself, my goodness, you know, enthusiasm says we can actually accomplish inroads and we can accomplish overcoming these hurdles. Ignorance is not realizing how difficult and how complex it is. But if you if you only looked at the complexities, I don't think you'd ever take on the task. So I think it's I think it's the combination of those kind of four characteristics that I always say to people. Take those things into consideration. Always be open and be a student. Always enter a conversation is what am I going to learn today and how is that going to help me uh, b- uh, equip myself differently? I, I always say, am I, one of the things that I looked at for a long period of time, and I always make a suggestion uh, whenever I speak for people to read one book, and it's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Yeah. And that and that book plays such a significant role because of the reason that that book really talks about um, you know some atrocities that happened to one individual and how that individual overcame some of the most darkest periods of their lives to be able to go on to be able to succeed and really contribute to people's lives. And there's and the quote in it really gets me, and I'm paraphrasing the quote, but it, it mm-hmm. says something like this, that we have to stop asking, why is this happening to me and what does my life expect of me? So when I talk to young people or I talk to people, all of us come from brokenness. I don't care what anybody says. We all come from brokenness. We're we're imperfect in so many different different ways. So all of us have our own stories and our own and our own journeys. And then sometimes some journeys are a lot more difficult and a lot more tragic than others. And sometimes yeah. what happens is we as individuals look upon those those journeys sometimes as being victimized. And what I what I kind of return to is that we are being equipped differently so that we are able to serve differently mm-hmm. and in my circumstance i had to look at it that way because if i didn't look at it that way i think that that depression would have overtaken um, my journey and so you know you kind of you just look at it and you think to yourself i understand this has happened to me what does my life expect of me at this moment why am i in this place what is this moment calling for me to do right now what am I going to do? Embrace it. And what can I learn from this moment? And understand that your life is challenging you at this moment to be able to answer the bell, answer the call because of the reason that you're being equipped to be able to do something great. I, you know, and I like that response from so many perspectives. And the one thing I wanted to touch back on is this, you know, this idea or, or barrier of fear of failure. And um, But before you go there, you know, even just the just the experience of the last 10 months now with you know with the with the beginnings of march and and, and literally global change it mm-hmm. creates so much tension in our community and you know i'm just thinking of those around me and those in my circles this fear of failure especially in those that either had to retract from some educational paths you know re regroup coming back home or back into their communities leaving their institutions and seeing a lot of paralysis. I mean, there's this fear, and, and if you want to say fear of failure, really fear of failure is fear of the unknown. And, you know, we all struggle with that. And, and your ideas around, you know, the search for the meaning, you know, for, for man's meaning, 
that that uh, Viktor Frankl story all about mm-hmm. his his experiences in you know German concentration camps and surviving really on the whims of those around him mm-hmm. yeah how do you how, what would you think of mm-hmm. uh, ex- sort of getting past that fear of failure or fear of paralysis like if you could say one thing that would say you know this is what you need to think about or focus on this well i i, I want to remind everybody that nobody enjoys failure like nobody does. I, I haven't met somebody that says, "Oh yeah, I loved it." You know, <laughs> I was personally humiliated. Oh, it was fantastic. You know, I mean, none of us go walk around there. But you do have to put it into a different perspective, and the different perspective is failure is also um, the moment of growth. And I think that yes. you know the paralysis will will um, really limit us in regards to taking that that step of of seeing what the unknown awaits us so you know i I don't like failure i i I mean i'm if i if anybody's got a phd in failure it's me um so and it is painful and it's been embarrassing and it's been shameful and all those kind of things but also at the same time is what what the what failure has also taught me is um, about the the strength that I have within myself, and I think that the one big surprise that everybody will find out of failure is they'll be amazed by the strength that they are able to draw on, right. and I think that those moments are moments of huge growth, um, and I think it also um, um, may uh, be able to help us. Uh, if we are not humble, sometimes it's a great way of being humbled. Don't run from failure. Um, I understand the apprehension. I understand the fear. I understand that none of us want to fail and we don't want to be embarrassed and we, mm-hmm. and we don't want to feel sad. But, you know, the reality being is, you know, <laughs> children would never learn how to walk if they, if they had a right. fear of walking. Um, right. But they have a curiosity of walking, and they know that uh, part of it. I have a little granddaughter now, Miss Carolina May. I just love oh, this little girl, and she's three years old now. And she reminds me all the time. I'll say, "Okay, uh, come on, Miss May, and I'll, I'll take over your Papa. I can do this. Okay, sweetheart. <laughs> it's like, you know, that I don't need a baby seat anymore. I'm a big girl now, and I go, okay. And so you don't need a baby spoon anymore. You need a a big fork, and it's like. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, yeah. eight out of ten times, food never gets on the fork. <laughs> but she keeps on she keeps on trying because and with confidence. she's hungry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so you just I think it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be painless, but it's gonna be rewardful. Well and too, when when you know and we all have you know, we we all have our our challenges and when I think when you come around and then see that thing that was fearing you or fear that fear of failure that whatever that obstacle was when we come around it and look back at it it often looks very different and we have a much more i guess holistic view of what was challenging us isn't that sort of uh, i know in my experience it's almost like wow okay so what happened there and geez now that i'm looking back at it well you know that was probably a good thing like you say i mean i've learned from something there yeah, I mean, I, you know, I look at my, I'm almost 30 years sober, and I, I still remember the biggest fear I had was going from being a daily user of drugs and alcohol to a point that, that almost destroyed my life, mm-hmm. to the unknown about what awaited me. And then being in that moment of uh, of recovery was also people saying, you know, it's going to get a lot better. 
when all you can see is the carnage and you think to yourself, oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to face this? But what I can say with confidence is, um, and my counselor said this when I, when I left the hospital, he said, Danny said, always remember that good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. So just remember that and equip yourself that life is going to continue to challenge all of us. Um, and just because you're sober, it doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. And he was absolutely correct. I, I lost my sister, uh, when I was almost 10 years sober to suicide. And, mm. and I, you know, that was one of the most devastating losses of my life. I had already lost my brother, Michael, when he was a police officer and he was killed when I was 13. Um, so yeah, losing another sibling in sobriety really tested me, but, you know, out of those experiences, um, you know, I was able then to, to speak publicly about what people face uh, when they lose a loved one through suicide. And, you know, those experiences then help me help others. Um, mm. But it's it's still a painful experience. And yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it just doesn't go away. So. I really appreciate you sharing that, Dan. And I think it's important for, for those that are, you know, for all of us who are struggling with, with, you know, many dimensions of life. I want to ask you, what, what's a positive experience in, in your role as a mayor? Whether it's, you know, being in the community, something that you've experienced firsthand where either you've helped somebody, you've seen some, some real, real positive outcome of, of your, of your attention. Well, I mean, first and foremost, uh, the most positive impact that I have every day is I walk into this office, I see my name plate on the door, I walk into this office and I say to myself, can you believe it? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, honestly, I, I'm still in awe, I'm still, I'm still like, wow. And it was funny because Paula, my wife, said to me, uh, you know, she's working from home and one day I, last week she, she came to City Hall to drop me off some lunch and it was funny. She said, you know, it just reminded me my husband's the mayor. <laughs> and I kind of went, yeah, I know. It just, you know what? I got to be absolutely honest. Um, I'm probably the most blessed individual uh, around. I, I've just been blessed beyond belief. And having the opportunity to be the mayor of the great city of Oshawa is, is just fantastic. It's given me an opportunity to talk about our great city uh, to media outlets all across um, North America. And I think that that's been a wonderful experience. Um, we have had some great successes uh, with the city. And I don't talk about economic successes. I mean, those are wonderful things in the expansion of our university and our healthcare system and all the great things. But I also look at the, the things that really that we're, we're doing extraordinary. Um, like many communities across Canada, we're facing individuals that are unsheltered and that have an addiction or a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. And we've really been able to bring some unique programs and solutions to the table. We ran a program this summer called the IOTC program with the regional health department out of Camp Samac, that is the Scouts Canada camp. And we took over 100 individuals that were unsheltered living on the streets, put them into a safe environment, got them into the right programs, fed them, fed into them on a daily basis. And, you know, we're hearing the success stories of people that are, for the first time, reconnecting with their families. Some of them are in, in rehabilitation programs. Some of them are, have been able to enter into facilities to help them with their mental health. Others are, uh, we've been able to house and support. I've been able to bring 50 churches together with the spirit of service in the city of Oshawa and brought our faith wow. communities together. We have an, an initiative that we're going to be 
that we've launched and that we'll be speaking about in a, a documentary. It'll be shot about it. We took the resettlement program with the Syrian uh, resettlement program and our faith communities have adopted it to be able to look at how can we use that same program in, a, in modeling to be able to help some of our unsheltered population. And they've raised money, they've trained individuals and they're embracing individuals that have been um, maybe uh, lost for a while and, and uh, um, thought that nobody cared about them. And our faith communities are coming together to be able to give them this opportunity. You know, it's those mm -hmm. kind of things that I look at and I just uh, think in my amazement that the spirit of the people that live in our city, the challenges that they face, the innovation that they bring, the generosity, kindness that they bring, even as difficult as it is and as difficult as this wicked problem is, our community continues to pull together to be able to find solutions. And to me, that's been one of the most wonderful things. The other thing is I have had the opportunity to have conversations, meet people, um, just have chances like this uh, yeah. to be able to sit across from people and just have a chat with them. And, you know, that to me, as you can tell, um, I am a communicator. I'm enthusiastic about life. And I, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to meet people on a daily basis. That really is my oxygen and my DNA every day. But I still walk into this office every day and I see that name played on my door before I open it up. <laughs> and it says Mayor Dan Carter. And I think to myself, boy, oh, boy. That's awesome, right? Yeah, it is. It is. You guys just sit there and go, holy smoke. <laughs> They always say, did you ever dream of, you know, kids? Eh? Did you always think about being a mayor? It's like, no, I was just hoping not to be homeless. You know, it's like, oh, my goodness. So You know, though, Dan, I mean, you have a heart of gold, and, and that just comes out in, in just any conversation with you. And I think... I think that's core to who you are, right? And that's what really comes out in this this role that you've you know you so honestly and so so you know rightfully gained, right? I mean, it's it's an incredible journey for you. I've been I've been lucky because out of uh, the journey of through um, being in foster homes and being adopted by the Carter family, um, kindness, generosity, and and the spirit of love uh, was given to me unconditionally, and those seeds were planted in me, and I'm. I'm so lucky that way. I mean, I, you know, I, I just feel very, very lucky that I had influences around me all my life and continue to have influences in my life that really remind me of the important things that are important and that really create the, the heart and, and the things that live within me. I'm very fortunate. I'm a, I'm a man of faith and I believe that God has, has planted those seeds in me. And I want to make sure that by the time I enter his kingdom or her kingdom, that the reality being is, is that the words will be something like this. Well done. And I thought you were going to come home early a couple times. But you just stayed there and you and you worked it out. But I mean, you know, the reality being is, is that whoever planted the seeds of kindness, compassion, understanding, um, generosity uh, in my heart, I'm I'm just really really blessed. And I always believe being authentic, as imperfect as I am, as long as I'm uh, authentic in everything that I do. You may not agree with me, but I'll I'll be honest with you and be authentic. Well, and you touched on some of the social challenges really across 
the country, if not across yeah. North America. And I had the uh, opportunity to interview Michelle Billick, who's the she's a executive in the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness, and we yeah. had. We had a, a whole hour conversation on, you know, moving the needle towards ending homelessness and really just giving a real interesting perspective on homelessness. Uh, you've talked about the opioid addiction, which is, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, COVID seems to have overshadowed that, if not everything in society. But these are still very, very deep and very concerning, uh, you know, issues within our communities. And, uh, you know, and then mental health residing in Toronto, as I am right now, mental health is a huge discussion, especially mm-hmm. in some of the downtown core areas and, and the poverty piece. What are your thoughts? I mean, you know, so just the way you're describing your life and your attitude towards life. I mean, those are huge levers that you now have that you can use to 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 benefit and, and help others. What are your sort of thoughts and strategies or concerns around some of these really, really tough issues that we're dealing with as, as communities? Well, uh, first and foremost, I mean, through COVID, believe it or not, the, the issue of unsheltered individuals, mental health and addiction have probably gone from the priority list to most uh, either the provincial or federal government from, you know, number 500 on the list to about number five on the list. So Mm -hmm. one is, I think that it's front and center now. I think it's one of those issues that you just can't ignore any longer. I think there's enough of us around that understand that if we are the smartest human beings that have ever walked on the earth, that we need to be able to collectively bring our ideas and solutions to the table and that we have to embrace the opportunity that it's not, it, we are going to have failures and we're going to have, uh, starts and stops and and we're going to have disappointments but the reality being is is that there are solutions on the table that are very practical um, one of the things that we've done that i've i've had the opportunity as the president of durham regional nonprofit housing corporation mm-hmm. what we've tried to do is i've always said to our people we have 18 sites about 1200 units I've said to our people, I understand that we are a housing provider, but really I believe that we are a people supporter. So I've tried to say, what can we do within our housing sites to be able to make life better for people in our our, uh, rent geared to income housing? And not only provide them with a good quality home that is safe and that is healthy um, and our communities are safe, but how do we utilize our community centers? What are the missing gaps in their lives? We brought in $9 internet for all of our our residents so that they weren't spending $80 on internet. And we worked with um, uh, Rogers to be able to bring that in. We brought insurance programs in so that their contents were, were covered. We brought in a jobs program into our housing facilities and really said, how can we help people get back into the job market and how can we give them that opportunity? We, we're looking at how do we look upon our residents and almost do uh, a residential uh, inventory and say, who who here is somebody that, that wants to change the pathway in their life? And if they're a single parent and they've got a couple children, um, you know, our whole hope is, is that their children do not become recipients of the same system again. Right. So what can we do with that parent to help them 
achieve the goals that they have in their in their lives. So a prime example is you got a single parent. We go to them and say, what are the things that you want to accomplish? We understand you have two kids. We understand that you're a, a single uh, parent looking after these children. What is it that you'd really like to do? And some of them say things like, I'd love to get my grade 12 graduation, or I'd like right. to go back to college and get a degree in in nursing or mechanics or, or carpentry or something. And right. then what we say is, okay, so if we got you that opportunity, what are the hurdles that would stop you from doing that? Well, daycare. Okay, so if we could solve that, what else? Well, transportation. How can we help you solve that? And what we're trying to do is eliminate the barriers and then challenge an individual of saying, we could get you to college. We can get you transportation and we can get your children looked after through the day while you go to school. Are you willing to take on the challenge? And I think that taking a different philosophy to it and a different approach to it, I think helps us. We really have to think about, you know, what are the things that we can actually do right now to make sure that we we curve that bend that is facing poverty in our country and really change the narrative so that um, the next generation isn't exposed to something that they feel is just natural and that we want to try and make sure that we lift people up. And that's the approach we've taken. So when you look at all of these different issues, we we know collectively when it goes as a priority, we can we can accomplish and we can achieve anything, even yeah. through COVID-19. You know, yeah. the reality being is we're going to have a vaccine. We're going to have a treatment. And why is that? Because it's become a priority. It's the number one thing on the list right now. Right. So when we put it as number one, we have the resources, we have the research, we have the, we're willing to take chances, we're willing to do things to stretch our boundaries. And what happens out of that experience is we end up with some great ideas, solutions uh, to move the needle forward. And I, I believe that if it's unsheltered, or if it's poverty, or if it's addiction, or if it's mental health, the answers await us in front of us. We know what the answers are. It's about now it has to come down to is, are we willing to take that leap of faith mm -hmm. and truly be able to invest in those areas? I'm just smiling from ear to ear listening to you talk about mm -hmm. this because your your enthusiasm and, and approach just, just sounds so poised for success. Mm -hmm. You know, when you describe these, these programs, the, the internet and the insurance programs and the job training programs i mean and you know not to say that these are new things for your community i mean there are things i'm sure have happened yeah. all over the world but i just knowing who you are i can just see how you're going to be getting behind these things and making these things happen and dan the way you're describing you know taking the limits away removing those barriers you know we will clear the path i mean that's yeah. incredible yeah that yeah. is so incredible and and have you seen or you know can you share a personal success story of of someone that you've 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 watched usher through the system and you can kind of go wow this is what it's all about well we've seen a lot of changes that have happened in in with individuals that we've invested into we've seen mm -hmm. individuals take uh the baton when it was given an opportunity to get 16 weeks of full-time work through mm -hmm. build up ontario and and really get back into the workplace what that does in regards to someone's um, well-being and their and the way that they see themselves that's helped with their self-confidence self-esteem and self-worth yeah. and that that really has resonated one of the, one of the things that we continue to see i had a young lady and i'll be very honest i won't tell you her name but mm -hmm. she was in my office three weeks ago with her mother she's 35 she's a mother to broken marriage um comes uh through uh her uh a battle with uh, some depression and, and mental health issues 
turned to substance abuse, uh, found herself uh, being victimized uh, by the darker side of society. Uh, mm. We were able to reach out to her through our, our program since March. We got her into the IOTC program, got her stabilized, got her on medication. She's reignited with her mom now. She came into my office to be able to say, you know, Mayor Carter, I just want you to know that, um, you know, the program uh, was not perfect, but it was pretty perfect. And nice. this is what my journey has been. And, you know, we're now uh, looking at embracing her as part of our spirit of service uh, program through um, you know, uh, walking with her for the next 18 months. Those are the kind of things that, that continue to keep me motivated when I hear those stories and we see those changes. And, you know, we also brace ourselves for disappointment. Yeah. But it's, uh, I, can't, I can't depend upon my happiness based upon their outcomes. What right. I have to base my happiness on is our efforts and our innovation about coming up with different ideas. And when we hear the stories of individuals, because of our efforts, have changed their lives and that they are actually a seeing um, a clear path forward or light instead of darkness, yes. to me, that's just amazing. This young girl is going to be so successful. She's smart. She's intelligent. She's vulnerable. She's, she's humbled by her experience. But she is said, is as in broken and as many relationships and even with my mom sitting here and i know that i've heard her that mm -hmm. i i realize that i have a chance to be able to truly be able to do something great and i just i walked into my office and elmar i'll tell you what i did is i had my copy of man's search for meaning on my desk yeah. and i gave it to her and i said you need to read this book Yes. It just, it's, it was just, it was one of the best days that I've ever had. And it was just wonderful to see. Well, and it's, it's amazing to hear that story, which brings everything right down to really, it's the people in our communities that are so important and are the, the core of the strength of our communities. And in the same day, if not the same hour, you're, you know, whether you're on the phone with the mayor of Toronto or dealing with a major, you know, opening of another institution, university, um, program or, you know, your, your days must be just so in, enjoyable and just covering such a broad spectrum of wonderful successes. The, it, it, there's a mixture and, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a couple of things. One is in between some of the great things is you have, I, I found out by being in this office, there's a reason um, why uh, people only come to see you periodically is because most of the time it's about bad news. So it's like, <laughs> but that's the job, right? And the job is yeah. then looking at it and saying, okay, so what are we going to do about it? I mean, prime example is when I walked into this office, we had the announcement for General Motors. Um, you know, my approach was we're not going to be here you know, spewing off negativity and be negative in regards to it. What I wanted to do is talk about um, how this community has met its challenges in the in in the past. I yeah. continue to negotiate with General Motors to be able to find an investment and opportunities, and I continue to do that even on a weekly basis right now. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced that uh, if they could find $500 million for another community, they could find $500 million for this community to be able to help us with the automobile industry. Um, so, you know, keeping 
you have to understand even out of the darkness you you have to you have to be uh like somebody said to me just recently i was on john moore's show uh more in the morning and he said uh you know part of your job is being the chief encouraging officer and also Mm -hmm. you know the the chief that looks after uh you know sorrow and so you know he was calling me about the the tragedy that our community faced earlier this year with the trainer family where we saw a horrific um a slaughter of a family here of five and it was you know my my job at that time was not only to be uh you know the chief uh person to kind of uh, bring uh, you know bring peace to the community but also to also be the chief encourager uh to be able to say we will get together and get through this together so you know that's what the job is but i love my job i love the opportunity that the public has given me and i hope that they'll give me the opportunity again in 22. oh that's awesome and with that i want to ask you then can you provide the listeners with a call to action what would be a call to action to the community the biggest thing is, is what I'm asking people to do is a couple of things. One is, please get out and serve your community. One way or another, find a way of being able to serve. It's one of the best ways that we can help individuals. If that's just working a phone bank to be able to phone seniors to be able to do wellness checks, uh, that's a great thing. If you work in a corporation like this, pick up the phone and just find out how your colleagues are doing and say hello. Um, get into service in your community. Stay optimistic and understand that the, the year 2020 has challenged all of us. I also want us to take this moment uh, to be able to be reflective. Reflective because of the reason that we need to reflect upon what we have, what we miss, and what we look forward to. Be reflective upon what are the important things in our lives and truly be able to see that the important things in our lives are not those materialistic things that we own or hold or we try and protect or hold for as long as possible, but just about what this moment is really teaching all of us. My parents went through the depression and they never forgot about the depression. Therefore, their children also understood what the depression did. And I never forgot about the lessons that my my mother and father taught me. So when I when I look at this moment, I think COVID will be one of those historical moments that will never leave us and will be part of the next generation. Let's not miss out on the opportunity to learn something about ourselves, our community, and let us find a way of being able to serve one another for no other reason except for that that's the purpose of our lives. Dan, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to have a conversation with you. And I wish you all the best in the next few years and the next election. <laughs> I don't know if you'll be able to, what, maybe make a 90% uh, landslide. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know about that. I, I, uh, I was very, very lucky and I, I've been, uh, you know, very fortunate. But Elmar, I just wanted to say thank you. I want to wish you and your family only the very best, not only through COVID, but through the year of 2021 and the rest of 2020. And I I thank you so much for the opportunity, not only to be able to meet with you, uh, walk with you and learn about you, but also have this opportunity to share with you today. It's been a great honor to be with you today. And for me, Dan, thank you so much. Thanks.